0: Hey everyone, welcome to Sorta Awesome. Hello and welcome back awesomes, I am not Meg Teats. This week it's me, Kelly Gordon, steering the ship to bring you all things smart, strong, and social because you guys... Meg has the flu again. I know, right? As many of you are aware, Meg and her entire family had influenza over the holidays. Merry Christmas. And this past week, she was waylaid again. She did not want to say anything publicly, even really to our team, because she was concerned that everyone in her life has teeth, compassion fatigue, which is redonkulous. Of course, that's not the case. And in fact, Quite the contrary, when she finally did say that she was sick and she was not sure how she was going to get an episode out this week because she's just flat on her back in bed, I was like, I'll jump in. So I texted Rebecca and said, hey, Rebecca, let's record the show and give Meg the week off. And you guys, Rebecca is sick too. This is the season we're in. I feel like I'm in a little bit of a horror movie or something. So I did what all of the awesomes would do. I reached for a member of our team who isn't here regularly anymore, but who will always be an awesome to us. Laura Tremaine. Welcome, Laura. I am
1: like the last resort. I am like the alternate who comes running in like, put me in, coach. I can do it. I can do
0: it. We're like, okay, we'll give you another shot, Tremaine. No, this is like the pitch hitter. It's the person that you bring in to be like, okay, we need to clean this up. Let's call in the big dogs because you guys know, of course, that Laura has her own podcast these days, 10 Things to Tell You and a book in the works. And we're going to talk about that a little bit on the show. And since this show, you guys, this is, if you like Girlfriend Chat and that's what you want when you turn on Sort of Awesome, have we got a show for you? Because this is a little ragtag. It's a little casual. This is really just Laura and myself talking. So we are not going to do an Awesome of the Week this week because in some ways, this show is a little bit of an Awesome of the Week. It's a little bit of us just sharing what we are learning and loving in our life right now. So while we are not going to do it here... We will, of course, still have our Awesomes of the Week threads on Facebook. If you aren't already on there, you can join us in the Sorta Awesome Hangout. It's a group on Facebook or over on Instagram where we are Sorta Awesome Show. On Fridays, we always start a thread and give you the chance to share what's awesome in your life, what's making things make a little bit more breezy, stay optimistic, what is being awesome to you. So you will still have a chance to do that. You can join us in Facebook or on Instagram to share your Awesome of the Week. So this is episode 230, and as I said, this is just me and Laura. We're a in it. We're going to hear about Laura, where she is right now, how wonderful she was to jump in, you guys. We have each three things that we are learning and loving. That's kind of, I don't know. I just made that up when I was texting Laura. I was like, why don't we just talk about these things? We can talk about those things,
1: right? I mean, I don't even know what I'm going to say, so... I was like, yes, learning and loving. We can do it. I can do it. I'll come up with something.
0: Well, and here's the funny thing is that this is a week and a half for you. I would just like to acknowledge that. Like you are on a writing retreat right now, and yet you are here with us. So all the award applause goes to Laura Tremaine.
1: Well, thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. I love, love, love the Sorta Awesome community I always have. I'm still active in the Hangout and in the Superstars group because I just love these women so much. And so I am like very thrilled and honored to jump in. I'm sorry that the other women are sick. It has been a winter, right? It's been so crazy. It has been.
0: And I don't have any real wood around me. I have laminated wood, so I don't know that it's the same because I want to knock on it. My family hasn't been sick at all, like not even a cold. Well, that's what I mean. I feel like we're in the midst of this like destruction and all of these people and germs around us and people are dropping left and right. Megan, and Rebecca are not the only people in my life who have this horrible flu in one way or the other. And so it's just, it has, it's been a winter. So I'm so grateful that you were taking the time out here to talk to us. And I know that you've always got thoughts. That's the thing. When I texted you and I was like, let's just pull something together. You were like, all right. I have things to say.
1: I always have things to say.
0: Right. Okay. So I'm going to go first since I'm the one who pulled Laura into this. So here's something that I am learning right now. And this is something that we all know, but it's something that has come back to me because of a couple instances that happened in my real life this last week, and it is the power of the small affirmation of affirming people where they are, especially in their feelings and in their decisions. And of course, this doesn't mean you have to affirm everything that's like not a good decision, but our words are so much more powerful than I think about. It's just become this conscious thought to me. So here's what happened is I have, as you guys know, a 12 year old girl. So I have a daughter who just went to middle school, does it make you cringe? Like not in a bad way, but just like in a sympathetic way, like I do. Middle school is so hard. And she is just right there. She's making all these adjustments and there's more homework this year. She's trying to keep up with friends that are changing and a lot of different teachers and different styles of teaching. You know, like I feel like lots of times in the elementary school, stereotypically, but a lot of those teachers are kind of warm, you know, and they're like, they want to bring you in under their wings, even if, you know, male or female, they're just like, they know they've got these younger ages. And so she has a few teachers this year who are just a little bit more like, "Mm, mm, mm." you know, like they're going to take control of the classroom. They're not there to like make everything sparkle and shine. Like we are here to learn. And so she's super sensitive. The last, I would say couple of months, she's been coming home from school and she would not mind me telling you this, just crying and saying like, the teachers are always mad at me, super stressed over her homework because it just takes her a long time to get it done. And then she's like, I can't not have it done. They're going to yell at me. And I'm like, I know some of these teachers. I don't think they're mad at you. So finally, I think because I have kids who are already teenagers and they've walked some of these roads, I'm hearing her say all these things. And me and my own personality, I'm all like, it'll be fine. Like, come on, let's get a hookie. That's what she wants. She wants me to be like, you don't have to go to school tomorrow. Let's get a cookie. Let me hug you. Like, it, I'm sure they didn't mean it. And finally, I was like, you know what? Let's go talk to your counselor, like your guidance counselor. Because he is there on campus. He knows these teachers. And I was thinking like, maybe some of these teachers are like really out of control. And they're just kind of looking for students to document that they're yelling at them, you know? So we went into school last week and met with a guidance counselor. And you guys, he was everything that she would want. He talked directly to my daughter. He listened to her and made eye contact. He spent 40 minutes with us. And what he said was so affirming. He said multiple times, I am so sorry that you feel that way. And he did kind of walk her through like, okay, the different personalities, this and the teachers. And he said, are they saying, Taylor, do your work? Or are they saying to the class, do your work? And she's like, well, to the class, you know. And he said, well, then I'm just going to say, because I've never heard the teacher say anything bad about you. You know, like you're not a student. You have good grades. Who's going to be getting... And making teachers frustrated. So he said, I don't think that they're bad at you. He said, but I can understand that you feel that way. And so he was affirming her feelings. He said, I wish that I had a magic wand and I could make your feelings feel better, but I know it doesn't work that way. So I'm just really sorry that you do feel that way. And I want to try to walk through and help you know that they don't dislike you when they're talking that way and they're not trying to take it on you personally. But I'm just sorry that you feel that way. And I watched her start to kind of glow. You know, it's just like, having those people in your life who are going to say, what you are feeling is real and valid. It may not be rooted completely in truth, but that doesn't always matter, right? What we need, what we want, what we desire is all people, even if you're not a 12-year-old middle school girl anymore, is to be validated, to have somebody say, I hear what you're saying, and I'm sorry that it's that way, putting out in the world. And then I had a thing with another friend. She's single and she was making a decision and I offhand said to her, this is the right thing to do. This is like the right next step. I'm proud of you for doing this. And she came back and she said, you know what? I don't have a partner. So I don't have somebody else, an adult in my life, always speaking in and saying, this is right. We should do this. She's like, I didn't even know how badly I needed to hear that till you said it. And I went like, oh good. I'm so glad. Like, I think I'm making the right decision, but you know how we all are. So just learning about that. And I've been thinking a lot About it because of these two things and how deeply we all need to have somebody in our life just validate us. And you guys, this could be like the spreading of the awesome, right? Not only in your own life and in the people around you, your closest friends and family, but even the people that you see just out there in the world. I just think that I'm going to be trying to be conscious of even the Trader Joe's checkout person. You know, like if they say something, you're like, yeah, that would be hard. Instead of my inclination, is to try to find the silver lining and be like, oh, it'll be better tomorrow you know, that sort of thing, just to validate people where they're at.
1: And I think that it's even more powerful when it comes from someone that doesn't have to do that. Like yeah. in terms of the school guidance counselor, you could have said almost the exact same words to Taylor, and she might not have heard it from you because you just think, well, you're my mom, you have to say that. You don't really know right. the situation. But to get it from him... from just an outside source that feels more objective, obviously he's not totally objective as a school counselor, but just someone else to say like, I hear you, I see you, Mm -hmm. you're not imagining it, you know, but let me give you a different perspective. I just think that people will hear
0: that from others, maybe sometimes better. You know what I mean? I do. I think that's very true. And I think that You know, for her, it helps to have somebody, I think, who is at the school, you know, physically present at the school, familiar with that system, where I think that that's part of the problem of being a parent and sending your kids off to school is your kids can say, well, you don't know, (laughs) you know, you don't know these people, you don't know what they're like, like, she's like, well, sure, mom, when you meet them at parent teacher conferences then they all like seem really kind, but then they get in the classroom where they're like, do your homework. So, you know, people can morph, but to have somebody who's there and is like, I talk to these teachers all the time and he was problem solving with her too. But yeah, we can be that for somebody else too. I think that's the thing that's powerful to me when I think about how wonderful it can be just to have somebody say, I hear what you're saying. And this is true. Like your feelings are valid. And the reason that you are in this place right now is true. That's like the beginning of real change for anybody. Anyway, we all know that, right? That's like what we need often is just to be heard and have somebody say, I hear it. Yes. Okay, Awesome. The 2020 FabFitFun
2: screen box is now on pre sale. You guys know that FabFitFun is a women's lifestyle subscription box filled with full size premium products sent straight to your door every season. I love getting a new FabFitFun box. My daughters and I love to open it and dig through it together. We get so excited about the products that are inside, mostly because a lot of the items are totally customizable so that you can totally curate your box to your specific interests. The Spring Box is an awesome way to treat yourself and others and get ready for the season ahead. Remember, FabFitFun is a seasonal subscription box with full-size beauty, fitness, fashion, and lifestyle products. It retails for 49 dollars but you guys, it always has a value of over $200. So use the coupon code SORTA Awesome for $10 off of your first box at fabfitfun.com. Again, you can get $10 off of your first box when you use coupon code SORTA Awesome for your first box at fabfitfun.com. Awesome. Hiring the right people is one of the best ways to help grow your business, but it should not take time away from your other priorities. And with LinkedIn jobs, it doesn't have to, especially with the very awesome way that LinkedIn jobs gives you your recommended matches. Their candidate recommendations get smarter over time, providing you with personalized results. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates for the hard and soft skills that you're looking for so that you can hire the right person fast. Things like collaboration, creativity, adaptability, LinkedIn looks beyond the work skills and puts your job posts in front of qualified candidates who match your business requirements perfectly. That's how LinkedIn makes sure your job post is seen by the people that you want to hire people with the skills qualifications and other interests that will help your business grow and so it's no wonder that a person is hired every eight seconds with linkedin and why companies rate linkedin jobs the number one hiring platform for delivering quality hires so awesome's find the right person for your business today with linkedin jobs you can pay what you want and you get the first 50 dollars off just visit linkedin.com slash awesome again that's linkedin.com slash awesome to get 50 dollars off of your first job post terms and conditions do apply awesome so you ever find when you're getting ready for work you have to decide if today is going to be a stylish day or a comfortable day well now thanks to beta brand's dress pant yoga pants you don't have to decide stylish comfortable and professional you shouldn't have to pick just one beta brand's dress pant yoga pants are super comfy perfectly stretchy and they stay wrinkle free they totally have the style of dress pants with the stretch fit and feel of yoga pants and you can choose from dozens of colors patterns cuts and styles like boot cut straight leg skinny cropped and more they even have a pair with eight, yes, eight pockets. Truly, whatever your style, Beta Brand has the pants to match. And Awesomes, they now also offer premium denim with the same flexibility and comfort as yoga pants. So right now, you Awesomes can get 20% off of your first order when you go to betabrand.com slash awesome. That's 20% off of your first order at betabrand.com slash awesome. Millions of women agree that these are the most comfortable pants that you're ever going to wear to work. So go to betabrand.com slash awesome for 20% off. And
1: speaking of real change, I will go next because okay, sort of biggest thing that I'm learning right now is that I can do hard things. And I think that I didn't fully believe in myself until, you know, I'm standing in the middle of it. Not to say I haven't ever done hard things before. We all have, we've all gone through life where it has been a hard season and we've pulled it together and managed it. But for me, I get overwhelmed easily and I try to set myself up for success in general. And, you know, I don't always take on something that I think is gonna like... (laughs) (laughs) topple me over. I mean, you know what I mean? Like I just try to be like careful with my own energy and emotions and everything. Well, literally this week, last year, one year ago this week, I started my podcast, 10 Things to Tell You. I set it up as a weekly podcast, which was the first scary thing because I
0: didn't want to (laughs) do. Because that was what you said you would never do. I
1: said I would never do it. And the fact that Meg Mm -hmm. has done it for so many years is mind-boggling to me. It is such a feat. Like if people don't even realize like how amazing it is that she has met a weekly deadline for years upon years, it is like blowing my mind. And I always said I wasn't going to do that. The podcast that Meg and I did as sort of a side project, Smartest Person in the Room, I purposely set that one up to just be like, not weekly. Like I'm always scared to take on something so big like that, like weekly to infinity. Like that does not appeal to me, but I wanted to do it. And so I just set the goal that I was going to try it for a year and sort of see how I felt about it. I also really wanted to write a book, you know, a huge reason that I stepped away from Sorta Awesome as a main co-host was because I wanted to be writing more. And I did that and I started writing. I missed using my physical voice. So when I came back in with this project, it was hopefully, a year ago, it was gonna be both things, a weekly podcast with the hope of turning this into a book. Those two things separately were... Going to be enormous mountains to climb. So, to think about doing them, you know, kind of simultaneously, it did not bring me joy or energy. It was really, really scary to me. (laughs) I mean, I wanted to do them. You know what I mean? Like, hear me. It was a purposeful path, but it was still scary for me. And I just did it, you know, just like one foot in front of the other. And here we are a year later. I have done a weekly show. I am now almost finished with the first draft of a book I'm writing and I'm still like, you know, in the thick of it. I can't say like, I've done this thing, but I'm like, you know, more than halfway through. So I feel like I'm doing this thing. Like I'm like actually doing it. I've met my own personal deadline of doing a weekly show. I have met my goal of, you know, in the last spring, I put a book proposal out, eventually signed a contract. Like I met my mini goals along the way. Now I'm out to meet the goal of turning it in. And y'all, I have been working online with my eye on writing a book, with my hope to just hone my skills and using my voice in podcasting and writing. Like I've been doing this a really long time, over 10 years, actually. I started my first mommy blog, Hollywood Housewife, 10 years ago this Mm -hmm. month. I started in January, 2010. Wow. Yeah. And so it just feels like I can do it. I'm doing it. And I almost didn't know that I didn't believe I could, because like I said, I've always set myself up for success or tried to. And so I didn't even realize that my like long held belief underneath was that I secretly couldn't do it until I started, you know, one foot in front of the other. And then I was like, oh, I didn't believe I could actually do this. That was the underlying belief, you know that I never let myself like consciously think. I didn't say that out loud or anything. And then as you do something, you're like, oh, I'm doing it though. We're doing it. Like we're doing this thing. So it's a big thing I'm learning. It's so simple. Aren't the simplest lessons
0: like the most profound? They really are. It sounds woo-woo, but you're exactly right. And I think that some of those wrong misconceptions that we have about ourselves, we don't know they're there until we prove them wrong. And then we say, oh, I didn't know that I kind of secretly thought that this isn't something I'm capable of, or at least even in the best of circumstances, I'm not sure that I can do this. And so I think that the power, actually the celebration and the strength that like resounding, like where it rises up in you and you realize you're doing it. I think that's even more powerful than getting to the end and crossing the finish line and saying, I did it. I think realizing that you're doing it is like the best shot of adrenaline there is, where you're like, oh, my word, it's happening. I'm here and it is happening. Right. Like once you finish the whole book and, you know, like everything, that will feel really good, too. But this moment is very pure. And it's
1: a really fine line. And really hard to discern sometimes between taking care of yourself and Mm overprotecting yourself. So you can really say, oh, I'm not going to set myself up to have a weekly deadline because I'm going to fail on that and whatever. That can be a really honest assessment of what your life looks Mm -hmm. like, what your season of work or parenthood or whatever looks like. That can be an honest assessment or it can be I'm too scared to set up something that is hard, you know, and I just see sometimes women, I feel like who are claiming something as like self-care or whatever, but really what it is, is a wall Mm -hmm. or a boundary because they're too scared to try. Yeah,
0: fear. It's Mm -hmm. fear.
1: I mean, I've done it myself. I'm describing how I've done it myself. Oh, sure. And you don't always know, and you definitely can't always know for someone else because. It can make a lot of sense on paper why a person has set up their life or their work or whatever in this way. And you're the only one who can know, like, am I operating out of fear here or am I operating out of care for myself and my energy and my family and whatever? And you just can't always know for sure. You have to just keep Mm -hmm. doing the next thing. But now I can look back and say, oh, there have been times when I definitely operated out of fear. I mean, I still can't operate out of fear now, but I do it anyway.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah. I wonder if one of the differences is, first of all, how much you've thought about it and how able you are to set yourself up for success. And I feel like with this, with you accepting this book contract, like you have been so purposeful and thoughtful, not stopping, even though it was a hairy, audacious goal. You have set yourself goals and they were not crazy. You know, they were big asks of you. It's a lot of energy to put out but you've just kept marching. And so, I don't know, it is hard to discern even for ourselves, much less for anyone else, whether what we're, the resistance that we're feeling is true and it would be wise for us to listen to it, you know, or if it's something that we need to push through.
1: Yeah, and I mean, also let the record reflect, I've gotten it wrong multiple times. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like I could have handled the production schedule of smartest person in the room smarter and better P.S. I love that show. Mm -hmm. Meg did an amazing job producing and editing that show. It still lives for people to go listen to it. But I could have managed that project differently and probably better. And then also, like, I tried to shop a book years ago that didn't go anywhere. So, like, these same Mm -hmm. things that are now working for me, I just want everyone to know that, like, I've had where it didn't work before also. Do you know what I mean? And when something is working, it feels different. Which also gives you momentum to like go forward because I know what it feels like when there's a lot of resistance that's telling you like this is not the path. Yeah.
0: Yeah, this is not the time. I'm trying to push you back down and say you just need to grow a little bit more. Actually this isn't funny. I mean, it's not what we set out to say this is the lesson that you're learning, but it is really making me think about the fact that it does feel different when you are acting in the right way versus the wrong way. And it really just takes so much discernment to try to figure out like that resistance. Is it because I think that lots of times what we hear, certainly where we are, I think, in culture today is women saying to other women, just push, just lean in, just go for it. And there are women who are trying and being like, it doesn't work for me. And then it's even more difficult, like internally, they're like, why does it work for everyone else when they just push and it doesn't work for me? And it might just be a matter of timing. And like, we don't often balance the message very well. You know, we're like, either you need to just self-care and not even try, or it's got to be 110%. And any resistance, you should just push through and, you know, do it because a man would, you know, like, and there is a balance there. And that's so tricky. So tricky. Timing is everything. Okay, so my second thing to share is also a lesson. And it dovetails a little bit with this because one of the things that I've realized about myself in the last few weeks, and I'm still puzzling over this, I'm not really sure I should say this right now, but oh well, whatever, here we are, is I really do not like to make a commitment and then not follow through on it. Like if I commit to something when I then have to flake out, the self-loathing of that is really, really thick for me. So my personality when I was in my 20s was to overcommit because I want to do all the things and say yes to everyone. And I'm excited, genuinely excited about things. And then, of course, things would get dropped. And what I learned then was like my feeling of having such a strong sense of responsibility of having committed to this thing and then not being able to do it. That Then I pulled way back and was like, I am only going to commit if I am so, so, so sure that I can do this because I just don't like to not be able to fulfill something. So because of that, then, like we were saying, there's this balance of like, okay, but still I do have more things. Like when do I push myself? So here's where we are. It's January and many of the awesomes join with me in the Sorta Yogis group, Yoga with Adrienne. She always does a 30-day reset in January. It's 30 days of yoga. It's all free online on YouTube. It's wonderful. And for a number of years, I have started it And then, you know, January, January gets in the way. Like my kids get sick. I get sick. You know, we go on a vacation and I've never finished all 30 days. And I can give myself some grace about that. But I'm also like, you committed to 30 days and you didn't finish. But yet again, I started this January and I'm just refusing to let that self disappointment stop me, even though I'm not doing the exact like I'm on day 21 even though today that we're taping is after that you know like i'm not doing it in exactly 30 days but i'm not letting that stop me and so really my lesson my takeaway is not just that you know keep going but it is how wonderful yoga is for me and how much more i need to be reminded to be in touch with my body and in my physical form and so doing this for almost 30 days it's just one of those things i like to Give myself credit for my intentions. You know, like I intend to exercise and I do occasionally. And then I'm like, I'm an exerciser. And I'm like, really? You've gone to class two days this last month. But I have lots of cute clothes and I intend, I have good feelings about exercise. And then there's the reality of that I'm not actually doing it. And that's how I feel about yoga and meditation. I value them so much. And when I am practicing in any sort of consistent way, I notice such a huge difference in my body, in my emotions, in my mental, in my spiritual self, like it's just transformative, then, you know, life. And I stopped doing it, but I still feel like, well, but this is important to me. So I'm somehow, because I'm valuing it, I'm getting the benefit, even though I'm not doing it. So here I am doing it again. And you guys, it's so good. It's so important and it's so needed. And this is Yoga with Adrian. She does have, at the very beginning, a longer, like a 40-minute practice that she kind of helps people. But most days it's half an hour or a little bit less. And I'm going to hear it to tell you that even though when you listen to the show, it's not the beginning of January, here's the crazy thing. And I know this is transformative to me too. You don't have to just start things at the beginning of January. You really can start anytime you want. And so you too could be on this journey with me If you've never done yoga, or I mean, here's what you need to do is go listen to the smartest person in the room, mind body series that will convince you. That was my very favorite series of that podcast, Laura, about how we ignore so often in our Western way, our bodies that we live in. So there's just something really, I think, so healing, no matter where you are about just remembering to breathe and remembering that you're right here right now and that you're surrounded. Like it's good. It's good and healing. And so yoga is awesome. This is my my second lesson that I'm, again, like you said, this is not news. This is not like anybody going, ah, write a book, (laughs) write a book about how awesome yoga is. But it is, it is awesome. And it is amazing to feel at home in my body again. And to remember that it is the doing of the thing that matters, not just the valuing of the thing.
1: I love all of that. I couldn't love any of that more. That's so good. So, I did an episode a few months ago with our friend Amber Haynes on Mm -hmm, my mm -hmm. show, 10 Things to Tell You. And the title of the episode was Have You Lost Your Style? A Conversation Mm -hmm, with mm -hmm. Amber Haynes, episode (laughs) 42. And we talked about how we both felt like we had lost our style a little bit. Like we had just gotten off track. You know, I work from home. I wear a lot of yoga pants and sweatshirts. I used to have a real distinct style, but you know, like life gets in the way. And even if you have like a certain taste that you like, I wasn't dressing like that at all. I didn't really get dressed for much (laughs) at all, (laughs) for like, kind of like for years.
0: (laughs) Well, you got dressed, but not dressed. I did not get dressed.
1: And I like feel like I woke up a few years later and I was like, what has happened? Like I've sort of not lost myself, but because that's way too strong of a word, but I definitely am like, I don't like the way I look in pictures. I don't really like what's hanging in my closet. I also don't have the energy or desire to do like a complete overhaul either. Like I need to sort of just be paying more attention, basically, like find out what I like or require to feel like I look cute. And that is a bigger task than you might think, especially because, you know, Mm -hmm. styles change, tastes change. And I'm being honest when I say it had been like a couple years since I'd really been paying attention. So that episode was a few months ago and with our plan was to have a follow-up episode. So we like gave ourselves a few months to find our style again, as sort of silly as that is. But I have been making these steps to be like, what makes me feel pretty? And
0: it's been a real experiment. (laughs) Okay. So now I'm super curious. Yes. Like, what are you finding? What are you realizing? So I'm
1: realizing that I do still have a distinct taste. And it hasn't changed all that much. You know, styles have changed, cuts of Mm -hmm. jeans or whatever, like things have changed. I did need to update a few things, namely jeans. I bought one pair of jeans. And, you know, but a lot of my other clothes did sort of work if I put some effort into like putting things together, Mm -hmm. doing my hair, putting makeup on. Like, I didn't need to, again, have a whole overhaul. But I realized like, oh, Some of the things I've been doing with my makeup is maybe a little aging. Like I'm 40 years old now. I've been doing a lot of the same makeup routines for a long time because they're considered classic or tried and true. But a person's skin does change and also styles change. And, you know, like I used to wear a bold lip all the time. I still love that. We talk a lot about that in the sort of awesome hangout about the power of a good lipstick, which I fully believe. And that can be like the greatest armor sometimes in a bad or hard day. I'm not taking away from that at all. But I did notice that for me, sometimes I felt like that harshness to my lips was a little bit aging. And so I was like, oh, I need to find a way to sort of soften this look. Still have the boldness that I like, but like without looking like I'm, you know, putting lipstick on a mannequin or
0: something. (laughs) I don't know what that means, but I'm going to go with it.
1: I just felt like it looked so harsh on my face now. And so I've just like started to soften my makeup. I'm wearing less makeup. Because again, if you put on a ton of foundation, it can look aging. Mm. These are things that I've read about in magazines my whole life or that I knew intellectually. But when you know, when you they start happening to you, this is the whole thing about aging, right? Like as it starts happening to you in every area, your body, your face, your hair, your health, like anything, you're like, but wait, I thought I would be the exception here. Like I will wear a bold lip till I die because that's my thing. And I probably still will, but it doesn't mean that you can't tweak it a little bit. Yeah. And so I think what I'm learning about as I'm trying to sort of find my way again, style-wise and just overall look-wise is that different things make me happy about the way I look than they used to. And that that's, Mm. it's okay to change. Like, I feel like when I experiment in the mirror or when I look at pictures, like what I am noticing about myself is different than what I used to notice or focus on. And part of that's maybe a maturity thing or an acceptance thing, you know, a body acceptance or a thing. But part of it is also definitely correlates to a mindfulness around it that you don't have to spend a million hours getting ready. I mean, I've never in my life wanted to do that. But, you know, like putting no effort into it was definitely not serving me either. And like being really mindful about taking care of my skin and then saying like, oh, I like how I look today and it's affecting how I feel and how I'm carrying myself in the world. And I'm going to pay attention to that. And I'm going to pay attention to it all day. Not like focus on it, but just be like, oh, notice it. That's it. Mm -hmm. It's just a noticing. And I think what had gotten so off track was not my literal style, was not the actual things hanging in my closet. Or my actual makeup drawer. It was my mindset around it. I had stopped paying attention to it. Really, I'd been on real autopilot.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When I started to be like, "All right, how can I sort of up my style game?" I realized, "Oh no, I have everything I need. I right. have the knowledge. I have the cute shirts. I have these things. I just need to like, you know, pay attention." to them and to me wearing them and how I feel when I put makeup on. Do I need this anymore? Does glitter make me feel dumb on my eyelids? (laughs) These are real questions I ask myself.
0: No, yes, absolutely. Because that's one of the things they talk about, too, with aging. And then you have to figure out when the magazine says women over 40 should not do this, does that really apply to you? I mean, you're like, they're saying it for a reason, but there's just a lot of things to consider. Like, if this is who you've always been, this is a very yogic sort of, as I was just saying, doing yoga with Adrian, but in, they'll often say in yoga... You know, you don't need to attain balance. You just need to return to the balance that you already have. So I think that in life, as we get older, and especially it's in some ways, it's not that we're adding on. It's like we have to peel off and return to what we already know is true about ourselves. It's just in a different evolution of it.
1: Yeah, totally. So, like, do you remember the first time? I do. I kind of remember it sort of distinctly, although I don't remember how old I was, but I remember a day. The first time I walked into Urban Outfitters and was like, oh, I don't, I can't shop here anymore. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, I just like, this isn't my style anymore. This is for younger people than me, you know, and I wasn't bummed out about it. Like I thought I would be like, if younger me thought that I was going to have a day when I thought that I would have felt sad for me.
0: (laughs) Right. I get it. Yeah.
1: But the me that had that moment was not sad. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, no, this (laughs) glitter crop top actually is no longer for me. Yeah. And I was totally fine with it. That is sort of like what I'm having, like, oh, maybe I don't want as much glitter on my eyelids. It's not because some stupid magazine told me that over 40, Mm -hmm. I shouldn't wear glitter on my eyelids. I'm not feeling any shame around it. I'm actually just like, I don't like the way this looks. Or this doesn't feel like me anymore. Or, you know, I mean, it's a truer thing. It's not a shaming thing, even though the magazine did say that. I'm mad that the magazine is right about it.
0: <laughs> right for different reasons. though.
1: Right for different reasons. You know. And like the word should kind of throws everyone off. But like,
0: right. yeah,
1: I am coming to a similar conclusion. <laughs> but it's a natural thing, you know. But like I said, I've been very happy to find that my style is still there, that I have it. I just yeah. needed to, you know,
0: turn it back on. Yeah. Turn on you. OK, so I have to ask if people are somehow making bad choices with their life and are not already following you on Instagram or something to know how you dress and how you look. I one time heard you describe your style as kind of granny rocker chic. Would you say that's still kind of true? Or are there a few pieces that you have either found, discovered or resurrected from your wardrobe that are really making you feel like you right now? I think it was
1: actually granny rocker prep. OK, OK because I do like some preppy things sometimes. That's that true. is a throwback to my blogging days. When I was blogging, I blogged more about style, which guess what, meant I paid more attention to style because I was then going to put it on the internet. When I stopped blogging, this wasn't purposeful. It was just like life changed. I had, no. made, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I wasn't paying as attention and then
0: here we got hey, the path. Girl, I work in public radio with a bunch of people who've come from TV and we're all like, look at me and my sweatshirt and no makeup. Ha 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 we're like glorying in it. And so we will get back to being like, oh, that's right. I should look like a professional. But for right now, it was like the yin to the yang. It's yeah, like totally. Them.
1: I do think, oh, that's a good question. I would change it. I do like elements of those things. I kind of like a granny, which was meant like a thrift store, mm-hmm. like throwback retro-y look. Some rocker elements. I think that's just natural to like almost the culture in LA. That's sort of like a popular style of dressing and then preppy because I grew up around that. I still like elements of those things. I probably don't put them. Here's the difference. I used to like really take a lot of joy from putting those elements all together into one outfit. I think I have a simpler thought process around it now. I wouldn't be so Mm -hmm. strategic now. I value comfort more now than I used to. now I really have like usually one bold or kind of wacky. I know I'm a dramatic dresser. I mean, I know that I am, but I usually now only sort of have like one kind of big element in an outfit or a style and everything else is more muted than it used to be. And that Mm -hmm. feels better as opposed to like maybe in the past, I was a little more like this was wacky and that was wacky and a bold look like it was all the things, (laughs) you know,
0: like the feather boa and the bright (laughs) lipstick. So now it's just the feather boa or the bright lipstick.
1: Yeah, I'm making better choices, (laughs) Kelly, is what I'm telling you.
0: Well, I just think it's always been something that you've had. And I will say, just as somebody who's watched you, and even Amber in that episode was fantastic, I don't think I found my sense of style until I was in my 40s. Like to be able to truly, I think your sense of style is really the sense of you. It's where you feel confident, like what makes you feel confident. And we do go through seasons in life where we're paying attention to it, and it's natural, and then it just ebbs and flows. And so here you are coming back to something that you've always had. It's really who Lord Tremaine is at her essence. And so I feel like for me, it wasn't until I hit my forties that I even knew what that was, mm. that prior to that, I was just taking on all the things that other people said I should be. And I had to try to discern for myself what was really me and what was me trying to fit in or impress or whatever. So it was a process. All right, friends.
2: Did you know that 70% of people say they want to use natural products, but only about 2% actually do? That's why Grove Collaborative makes finding healthy, affordable, effective natural products easy and convenient. My family has been customers of Grove Collaborative for years. We love it. It's the online marketplace that delivers all-natural home beauty and personal care products directly to your door. We love that we can find all of our favorite brands there. Everything from, of course, the Grove Collaborative brand that we love, but also Mrs. Myers, Burt's Bees, Acure Beauty, and more. Now, what you may not know is that Grove is the first place to visit to reduce your dependence on single-use plastics. Grove's sustainable swap set is the best and easiest way to get started reducing plastic waste in your home. It has bamboo straws, reusable and washable sandwich bags, a refillable hand soap dispenser, gel hand soap, and a walnut scrubber sponge set. And for a limited time, you awesomes are going to get all of this free with your first purchase. With fast and free shipping on your first order, going sustainable has never been easier. So join me and over 2 million households who shop at Grove for their healthy, sustainable home essentials. Make your home more sustainable this new year. Now for a limited time, when you awesomes go to grove.co slash awesome, you'll get the free five-piece set from Grove so you can easily swap out plastics. Plus, you're going to get free shipping and a free 60-day VIP trial. Go to grove.co slash awesome to get this exclusive sustainable swaps offer, grove.co slash awesome. Okay, Asims, I got to tell you about one of my favorite new life hacks for the new year. It's this great app called Blinkist. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways that need to know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. That's what makes Blinkist totally unique, and it works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser. Everyone knows that successful people are known for reading a lot of books. Blinkist is made for busy people like you and me who want to get the main points of the book quickly so you can start using that information right away. I super love the audio feature of Blinkist. It makes it so easy to finish a book when I'm folding laundry, picking up the house, or out running errands. I love that on Blinkist you can find everything from memoir to autobiography, like Elton John's official autobiography titled Me. You can find great reads by people like Oprah, her book The Path Made Clear. I mean, truly, you guys, there's so much great nonfiction out there, and there is something for everyone that you can find in Blinkist. So, Awesomes, with Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books all the books that you want and all for one low price right now for a limited time Blinkist has a special offer just for you awesomes go to Blinkist.com slash sorta to try it for free for seven days and save 25% off of your new subscription that's Blinkist spelled b-l-i-n-k-i-s-t Blinkist.com slash sorta to start your free seven-day trial and you're going to save 25% off but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash sorta
0: Okay, so my last thing is not something that I'm learning. You guys, if you didn't know, this is what Laura and I do. <laughs> we're always like, tell me about what you're learning. That's just the kind of thing, this is my podcast. But will it also give you something that's lighter and that you can partake in right now if you're like, wow, this is a lot of deepness before I've had my coffee on a Friday. I'm here to tell you what I am loving. And this is true is true is Schitt's Creek. And I'm hoping that we're not gonna get a, an explicit rating for this. This is S-C-H-I-T-T. Shits Creek. You guys, I'm sure you've heard of it. If you have not already started watching the show, it's sixth and final season just started in January on broadcast TV. So, you can watch seasons 1 through 5 on Netflix right now, all of them, which is a little rare sometimes for streaming services. They might just keep a couple of seasons, not have all of them, you know, from one show. This show has been a slow burn. So, if you are not familiar with Shits Creek, it is produced by Canadian Broadcasting, I think. They've never really said where this family lives, but I think it's Canada. They speak very Canadian to me, and it is so heartwarming. So it started here with the family, a Canadian family who is very wealthy, have made a lot of money on video stores, losing all of their things, and having to move to a small town in the middle of seemingly nowhere, a town that the father bought as a joke like because it's called Schitt's Creek for his son, they'd even forgotten that they owned it. So they still own this town. The premise is not important, but the pilot episode sets it up as here's this kind of Kardashian-like family who's only known money and prestige and all of the things that come with it. And then they're forced to move into a motel in this town that he technically owns that's in the middle of nowhere. And then what happens? And it sounds like it would be this show, as I've tried to explain it to people, first of all, I say the name and people give me this this side eye like, oh, is this like some sort of a cheesy cornball sitcom? And it is not. It's actually very, very heartwarming because this family learns that probably all of these things that they had to give up to move to the small town was really holding them back from their true potential. And so they end up being and growing over the seasons and these people that are starting to embrace their faults for things that they would have said are faults, like vulnerability, saying it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to care for people. And they really come together and love each other in a way that they couldn't have done when they were living this high-flying lifestyle wherever they lived in their big mansions. So these are people, if you don't know, it is, I'm going to try to get their names, Catherine O'Hara, who I was trying to place her. She's been in so many different things, but I was like, oh, she's the mom on Home Alone which is like a silly thing to like associate her with but she's often acted with the creator co-creator Eugene Levy and his real son Dan Levy is in the show they're the co-creators of this show and then Annie Murphy rounds out the family Have you watched the show Laura? Mm-hmm.
1: Am I, I love telling the you show. about something you know. Yeah. Jeff and I have been binging it so we're not all the way caught up we are on season 3 I think. Okay. And it does take a minute. And normally, like, I am not a person who, like, if someone says you have to get to season three to care about a thing that I'm like, no, thank you. Why would I do that? This show didn't take till season three by any means, but it does take a few episodes. But they're only, you know, 20 minutes long. So it's fine to kind of sort of suspend your entire disbelief because
0: it's such a wacky show. It is wacky in some ways because. They don't ever try to explain. They don't try to root this in realism in any way. Like, you're like, how would this family, like, they don't have money to live in a hotel. Like, and that get, they go eat at the cafe every day. Who's paying for them? Like, you can't get stuck in those details. Yeah. Also, so it's the Rose family. I was trying to remember their actual last name. That's what their fictional name is. The woman, the mom and wife here, her name is Moira Rose. She has an accent that is unidentifiable. It's like a character on the show. It's so funny. She's the best. I love her
1: so much. I actually see myself in her a little. I can see that. (laughs) She is a former like soap star, right? She's an actress. And so I think she has like this, yeah, very dramatic presentation. Mm -hmm.
0: Her outfits are like a whole character unto themselves. And her wigs. She has an entire wall of wigs. In the motel that she has brought with her. That's like one of the few things that saved when they had to sell everything off and move. So she dresses like none of these people fit in into, you know, this small town where everybody's wearing like what I dressed up today, like jeans and flannel. And they're coming in like high fashion and everything is like black and white. And yes, it's wonderful. So that's if I haven't already said Moira, who is, like you said, an ex soap star. And there's Johnny is the dad. This is Eugene Levy. He was the businessman. He still is a businessman. He's so earnest and like caring for his family. He's always in a business suit, always in a business suit, like, which is just one of those small things that you don't notice at the beginning. But like no one in this town wears a business suit. Their daughter, Alexis, is just like this. She's super bubbly, but also very bratty, very socialite. And then there is my very favorite, David Rose, who's like a fashionista. He's sarcastic. He's wonderful. I first started the show, I mean, everybody was talking about it, but especially Sarah Bessie, whose taste I trust. And I said something to her after I binged the entire first season in one weekend, because like you said, the shows are short and just fell in love. I'm like, I'm in love with David. That's how it's supposed to be. Right. And she's like, yes, that means you're doing it right. Like that's, that's how it's supposed to be. I'm like his character, the arc of his growth. It is the perfect, like meme sort of a thing. I like to talk to your friends. It's a wonderful show. So I feel like it really does, even though it's quirky and a little funky, and I do think you have to give it two or three episodes. Like you can't watch the first or the second and then go, oh, this isn't for me, because it just hasn't started to develop yet. You have to give it a little bit more. And now I'm in season five. So season six started in January, like I said, is on pop. So you'd have to have cable to be watching it. I would assume that at some point, season six, the final season, will come out on Netflix here in the U.S. and in Canada. And I think in the U.K., you can't watch it except off of Netflix. But season five is like my favorite season yet because the characters have really grown. You know them, you know where they've come from, and you're getting to see them really grow, even though they're still like, I think self-obsessed is fair. Like they never really let that go completely but as they grow to expand, to care for each other and to be vulnerable, it's just a really beautiful thing. It's so earnest and heartwarming, like even just so many different issues that they deal with. They just make it always pretty positive without denying that life can be hard. It's just going to make you walk away and say, yeah, life is going to be OK, because there is a David Rose in the world.
1: Hmm. OK, well, my last thing that I want to talk about is also entertainment. I did not know you were going to talk about Shit's Creek. But it is the absolute opposite from heartwarming. (laughs) So it's award season. It is, you know, we already had the Golden Globes. The Oscars are coming up. And I just have to say that 2019, the movies that came out last year that we are now celebrating, was not my favorite movie year. In fact, it was my least favorite movie year in the last many years, I would say. Now, not counting, of course, my husband's wonderful movie that came out in 2019 on Netflix called The Dirt. Of course. It was incredible. (laughs) But for the movies that are nominated this year, I just haven't been excited about them. Jeff and I get the screeners because we're in uh, different entertainment guilds. He's in the Director's Guild and Screen Actors Guild. I'm in the Producers Guild. And I just have not been that excited about any of these movies. I also haven't seen as many as I would have by now, I usually make sure and see all of the Best Picture nominations before the big award shows start. And I just, they just haven't interested me. Well, we did go last week to a screening of The Joker, which is heavily nominated this year for the Oscars. Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Director, Best Best Cinematography. It is all over the place. I wasn't dying to go to this screening, but there was a really cool Q&A afterward with the director and the producer. These are the benefits of living in Los Angeles. And I was interested in that. I knew it had gotten a lot of nominations, but I'm not a big superhero or supervillain type of movie person. I don't usually see those. I'd heard this one was particularly violent. I do like Joaquin Phoenix, and I had heard he was doing an amazing job as the Joker, but it just, you know, I really only went to this, screening because I was invited to it. But I am here to tell you, this movie is actually incredible. I'm the last person on the world. Like, I'm the last one saying that. Everybody has known this for a year. Welcome. I'm telling everyone. But I'm saying it because I feel like maybe a lot of the awesomes would be like me, uninterested in it because of its violent element and maybe wouldn't give this movie a chance. And so I'm saying to give it a chance if you are able because it is actually a real piece of art. Joaquin Phoenix is incredible. The colors, the set, the costume design, it is such a mood. It is so stylized. The story is very good and interesting and relevant. There are a few scenes, not as many as I was expecting. There's like two or three pretty violent scenes where I like literally hid my eyes. But it's not like scene after scene after scene, you mm-hmm. know, is really crazy
0: and bloody or anything it's not, it's like not that. Is that a Quentin Tarantino movie then?
1: No. And you kind yeah. of know, it's not like a big surprise when something yucky happens. Like, you know, you sort of know right. I was able to <laughs> close my eyes in time, every time. I was just really surprised by how much I liked this movie and the performances and just the art of it. It was just really a surprise to me. And that's kind of why I wanted to talk about it with this particular audience, because I think we can write off things like this. Also, you know, earlier this year, I think it was this past year when Scorsese made some Martin Scorsese, the director, made some really negative comments about these type of blockbuster movies being, you know, he insinuated Insinuated. they were less art, you know, that they weren't Mm -hmm. real art. And I do think that the Joker stands alone, but I have, I thought Black Panther was art. I think, you know, I think that is, was a ridiculous comment for him to make. I couldn't not disagree, you know, more with that. I think in art also, he doesn't get to make the call of what that is or not.
0: We actually did a show about that and somebody called in and said what my husband had said, which is So this is the guy who's been making mob movies, like making the same movie over and over and over. Like, is that any more art than somebody who's making a superhero movie like Black Panther, Wonder Woman or now Joker? Yes, I agree. We'll definitely put a link in the show notes if you guys want to read this New York Times editorial he wrote. It cost a lot of talk, but I I feel like everything I heard about Joker was it was art. I mean, I don't think anybody thought that this was not so well acted and theorized. It's not even the same. It's not a Marvel movie.
1: It is does stand apart from other big movies like this. And then the next day, I even did a whole deep dive of, you know, Batman history and the origin of the Joker story, because the storyline of this one takes quite a different turn, but of where the Joker actually sort of came from. And if the Joker were watching as Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, if that's the actual Joker That is in uh, later Batmans, because this is kind of a prequel Joker, if you will. Right. It's complicated to talk about. But I got so interested in it, and I wouldn't think that I would, that I, you know, did a bunch of Googling the next day and trying to figure out, like, where the storylines fit and what the different conspiracy theories are about, you know, did Batman create the Joker? Did Joker create the Batman? There's, like, a lot. This is a whole subculture. That's a whole world. Yeah, it is. And I have seen other movies. I liked Wonder Woman. I didn't do any Googling about Wonder Woman the next day. I mean, this is what I'm trying to tell you is that the movie Joker is really, really interesting. It also sparks a lot of talk around mental health. And, you know, you can take that as like just a certain, there's a mental health element, obviously, to this person who is violent and disturbed of if it's literal. There's some theories around the movie of like, you know, you can't always tell what's real and what's not and like, There's all these questions about it, but I do think it sort of opens up some bigger questions, just like Scorsese saying, is this art or is it not? Like, I actually really like having these conversations. Mental health in comic book villains is an interesting conversation to me. You know, art for the masses, is that real art or not? I think this is a fascinating conversation to be having with friends, to be reading the think pieces about. Like, I really, really liked it. And so seeing that movie and then, You know, I literally spent way too many hours the next day Googling (laughs) and talking about it with Jeff because we like had a very lively conversation. We had different interpretations of the ending of the movie. It just was so much more stimulating of a movie than I would have ever thought of something like this. So that's why I'm encouraging people to see it. It is violent. Fine. It is. But like, there's more to it.
0: But it's worth it. Yeah. I love those movies that make you think. Mm hmm. All right. So, Awesome, that is what Laura and I are learning and loving this week. You are welcome and, in fact, encouraged to come share with us what you are learning and loving in the Sort of Awesome Hangout group on Facebook, or you can share your Awesome of the Week with us on Instagram. And if you don't already, Laura Tremaine, will you tell us where everybody can follow you all around the social media world?
1: Instagram is my very favorite medium. I'm there every single day. You can find me at Laura.tremaine. I also have a podcast called Ten Things to Tell You and it is on Instagram and Facebook at Ten Things to Tell You, the number 10.
0: Yes. And we're all excited. And we will have to talk at more at some point about your book because I know the awesomes, you know, you're just like the emeritus person. You're the emeritus awesome, I think. And so we all take so much pride in following your journey here. So If you don't already follow the show, you guys, you can follow us at Sorta Awesome Show on Instagram, at Sorta Awesome Pod on Twitter. And of course, we're on Facebook at Sorta Awesome. Thanks so much for listening. Next week, Meg will be back. Have a great week, you guys. We'll see you next time.
2: Sorta Awesome was created and is hosted by me, Meg Teets. Sarah Robertson is our assistant producer and production collaboration comes from Kelly Gordon and Rebecca Hoffer. Kelly Gordon is our digital media producer and we are so thankful for the ongoing support from our listener supporters. Music is provided by the band Prager. You can find more of Prager's music at pragermusic.com to find show notes on this and every episode of Sorta Awesome and also to spread the Sorta Awesome love to all of your friends, you can head on over to SortaAwesomeShow.com. Seeking the truth never gets old.